Welcome to Whom, an Australian podcast focused on bringing creative names to light. At Whom, we ask the real questions. That would inform what question you would ask everyone, right? I was just thinking, like, do you like cheese? (laughs) We also make sure we touch on the real issues. Get away with anything if you've got enough money, enough rock. Yeah, what's currency to them? How many hairs you got in your mane? More hairs in my mane. (laughs) But one thing's for sure. Our guests promise to open up and tell you stories all about themselves that will send you on an emotional roller coaster. A musician with Earth as her mission comes on our podcast today to explain why every day we're alive is like being on the clock. Here she is, Esther Hunter. Without further ado, here's your hosts, Ben, Siobhan and Ben. We had a previous guest on our show, Adam Plant, um, who's a, a really interesting guy. Um, now, Last episode of Dragon Ball Z. Now, we know that you, uh, of course, have written a self-help book. Oh, so no. I want to read you an article from our anti-self-help book by Adam Plant and get your, your spin on it. It's a face-off. So it's going to be uh, a paragraph titled Religion. Mm. Mm. So if your body is a temple then masturbation should be considered an act of worship. Mm. Furthermore, devoting a weekend completely to porn should be viewed in the same light as a religious holiday. Personally, I'm not a spiritual person and would consider myself an atheist, which is to say that I detest the notion and lotion of (laughs) self-pleasure. However, in a world which blurs the lines and stirs the pot of what is socially acceptable, perhaps we're too quick to shun displays of public masturbation. Within context, these seemingly depraved perverts are really just preaching the word of God. Oh, uh, what's his name? Maybe uh, we should uh, (laughs) add each other on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) So you're a fan of public masturbation then? Oh. I mean, don't say no, right? At least, at least from a second cousin relative. And beyond. (laughs) 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 All right. So there's a limit. With incest, there's a limit. Not the immediate family. (laughs) So immediate family's out. Immediate family. (laughs) Second Immediate family of them. Only if they look good. Only if they look... But they'd have to look really good. Well, we're trying to um, celebrate bodies and body positivity. So whatever good is is subjective. Yeah, I guess so. Everything's good. Mm. Everything is good. No, I actually agree with what he's saying. I was surprised to hear him say he was an atheist because to me, like, if we are created, hmm, mm. these uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I see it. Like, I'm like, eventually things like that are going to happen mm. because there's going to be a rally about it or a riot or something. Yeah. There's going to be some group that is pro-public masturbation. It is my human right. To yeah, pleasure. Well, we all have, right? <laughs> <laughs> we've it's all, a we've lot neater for women. It's a lot easier. Hey? But when you're young and you've just figured out what you like, and it's that time <laughs> of the month, you guys, it's that time of the day. That time of the yeah, 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 every day. <laughs> so if men's cycle follows the sun and ours follows the moon, yeah, there's usually like a week in the middle of the <laughs> month where you're at the traffic lights, like, mm, yeah, foot long sounds good right now. <laughs> Kudos to that's what we're having for lunch. Kudos to Subway for bringing our footlong goodness. I like to (laughs) cite the environment I'm in, so we're having Subway for lunch, everyone. Subway for lunch. (laughs) All right, so a little bit. Maybe they're not anymore. A little bit about you, of course. uh, A woman of many talents. Um, So, of course, you're a teacher. You're an author, musician, photographer. Wow, so a woman of many talents. If you had to pick one of those and be like, this is the best thing I'm great at, this Mm. is my one true amazing talent, what would it be? Ooh, questioning the official narrative. I think the hardest thing is when you're an all-around creative, people always ask that question. Yeah. So they're like, but which one? So you do all these things, but which one? So whenever I'm doing something, so if I'm a photographer, I am a photographer and I talk as if that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years. If I'm an author, I sit there and I be the author. 
I don't be a musician or a teacher or anything else. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think that's that's the fun of being down here. Do Just you find playing you, in the sand pit? Do you find you like any of them more? Find enjoyment? No, I reckon no? once something starts to get a bit annoying, because everything you do, even if you're really passionate about it, it has downsides. And if you've run into quite a downside in something, then you just so pop up somewhere else. Cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Move from thing to thing until you get bored. Yeah. So I would be keen to hear the opinions of people in my life and say, which one do you think I am? I don't know. Which one do you think <laughs> you're best at? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you say, so you say you're primarily a musician. Is that sort of... We'll go back then. So mm. is that your first hobby? Was that what you first started as a musician? Yep. So I grew up in a musical family. My great-grandmother taught piano. Okay. And so my mum and her siblings lived next door. So she got to grow up next to her grandparents, which is pretty unique. We don't really do that anymore. No, not at all. And I don't necessarily think it was good back then. It might be good now. And I can usually tell when kids have had heavy grandparent influence in their life because they're quite calm and you can connect with them. Not skittish. Yep. Yeah. So there's a lot of wisdom that's missing from people moving away from their grandparent grandparents and extended family. But yeah, for the post-war people who couldn't communicate and were traumatized, it's okay that they moved away. It's okay that we were separated for a little bit while we got our shit together. Are we allowed to swear on this of podcast? Yes. It Swearing is an ex- is, um, exploitive podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, great grandma taught piano. The kids all did music, so my mum's a piano player and singer, my auntie teaches piano, and then my uncles, they're singers and pianists and guitarists and, yeah, all-rounders. There you go. Yeah, and I grew up in church, so I got to basically do a gig from nine years old every Sunday. So were you one of the singers? One of the singers and then a keyboard player. By the time I was about 11, I was doing it all, so... Right in the set list, song leading, doing the little hand signals behind the scenes to lead the band. And so luckily I grew pretty fast. I was pretty big as a kid. So I got to, yeah, experience a lot of adult responsibility. So you were raised Christian. Um, mm. You've told us that um, you, you were raised Christian, you got married uh, quite early in your life. Mm. And then at 28... Um, you had a bit of a reversal. Yeah. Yeah, tell us about that. I think in 2020, we just all felt this pull to become more authentic. So some people's lives didn't have to change that much. But people who had really like spent a number of years creating an environment around them that wasn't aligned, like the sand castle, <laughs> the sand castle had to be destroyed. So, yeah, I lost a lot. But it's okay. Yeah, it had to happen. Yeah, so um, so tell us about what, what did happen. So you were married mm. um, and then you came out as, as gay mm. and you left your husband. Mm. Um, how early were you married? How early? Well, we got engaged when I was 22 and married when I was 23. Okay. But yeah. I stayed at home. I stayed at home living with my parents until like the day of my wedding. Oh, yeah. Fair. So yeah, that's right. a thing that Christians like to do. If they can, they keep it in their pants till the wedding day. But especially living at home too. And if you've got a good home life, I think that's the best way to set yourself up financially as well and to have emotional support Yeah, and not have to waste a lot of money living with friends and buying all your own stuff. You're supported out of the nest. Especially with how expensive it is nowadays. Oh, inflation, oh my gosh. So I guess keeping it in your pants till wedding day Mm. and then it happened (laughs) and then were you like, I like women. Uh, Exactly. So I didn't keep it in my pants anyway, but (laughs) (laughs) we'll blame someone else for that. (laughs) So I guess uh, talk about the, uh, how you realized that I guess you liked the opposite gender and, and how that affected and impacted the marriage up until the divorce yeah so I I knew my whole life the funny thing is even the other day my mum said to me I always knew you were gay I just didn't think you'd live that way so Christians also even if they know you're gay they go well but you don't have to live that way it's such a small section of your life just sort of keep it under the rug so I did 
I did until I couldn't anymore. And I was on the pill as well from 15 to 23. And a lot of women will tell you the havoc that the pill wreaked on their body and their emotions. So I hadn't really felt desire. I hadn't felt that, this person is attractive. Yeah. Yeah, so I just sort of just stared at cleavage here and there. Yeah, and I thought everyone did that. We do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've been on the pill for quite a while. (laughs) I I meant the staring at cleavage. (laughs) (laughs) What? I meant the staring at cleavage part. Yeah. Oh. Even Siobhan, my partner, does. Siobhan's like, Ben, Ben, did you see those boobs? I'm like, what? You've got to to announce this to me when I have time. blink twice if you need... (laughs) (laughs) She will always blink twice. Get her away from me. No. I think if humanity is heading a direction, I hope it's together. I hope that even though we still do like monogamy and partnering and having a close support person, I hope that overall we're all getting close enough that, yeah, we can love each other. We can sit on the couch and have a snuggle with loving people and, you know, everyone doesn't get their knickers in a twist about it. Or even get their knickers involved. Yeah, just leave the knickers at home. <laughs> Stop selling knickers. Like, yeah. we don't need them anymore. Just don't bring them. Yeah. Who needs clothes? Like, I think because we're separated into little starchy outfits and separate desks so early in life, we lose affection. Like, we're cut off from natural affection. And then the only affection we can experience then is sexual. And we sexualize relationships that could just be beautiful. Pursued because, luckily enough, he was diagnosed before mm. <laughs> the decision was made. I think they just wanted your money. Yeah, probably. Hey, yeah, or universities these days. Well, it's the same thing. If you drop out of uni just before you graduate, you've paid for it. Yeah. But presumably, you learnt stuff. Presumably, you weren't just doing it for the ticket. But <laughs> we all know half of the shit you're learning, and that's generous. Pointless. Like. I'm a university teacher. Don't go. <laughs> who brought letters into math? Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> who does? Who invented thinking? Yeah, Fuck them. No. It was the Greeks. <laughs> Thank God for Google. Yeah. We're getting back to hieroglyphs with emojis. Yes. yes. We're yeah, just yeah, instantly yeah. expressing an emotion rather than analysing ourselves in circles. I remember the day that they changed every emotion, like every emoji to have five different colours of skin. And I bet like, someone was like, no, I am pink yellow. Yeah. This is offensive. Like, someone would have complained and now there's like Caucasian, tanned, Asian, black. Like, so no matter if you do a smiley face now, if you highlight over it, it's like, oh, what colour smiley face do you want to be? I'm just going to stick with stock yellow. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a Simpsons yeah. character. Like, Sorry. <laughs> they did not make these to offend anyone. Yeah. Like, stop making things in society. I feel like... Though, <laughs> Stop making things yeah, in, just in society. general. That's you know what? I'm done with that. <laughs> I feel like, though, th- they were trying to be more inclusive doing that. Um, but I have a feeling, like, it's less inclusive separating it mm. into colours because then people could get more offended by you using the wrong... Colour the wrong one. It actually might have been like that. They're like, wait, let's actually give them something to be offended by. <laughs> Pretending <laughs> that they're like... Mm, We're diverse. Yeah. And then but the white guy uses the, the black yeah. colour yeah. all the time. And HR. <laughs> <laughs> to touch on what you said earlier, though, mm. trying to end up as a world where together. Yeah. Like we're all together. I feel like we're, we're in the opposite direction. I feel like in Come ways, on. in ways we're going together because we're making things more inclusive. Mm. But there's so many new groups now to make it their way that it's now dividing us in all separate directions. Mm. So I, I feel like people are trying to help, but they're actually causing more damage. The whole, um, yeah, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. Exactly right, and that's how it's we are. It's paved right with now. social justice warriors that are fighting on behalf of people that aren't even offended themselves. Mm. No one thought to check. <laughs> I love that. Oh. Yeah, I'm. I'm not offended by anything, mm. but I, apart from vegans, <laughs> I'm offended by people who get offended. Actually, yes, 
that is why one gaslight. That's I one think. side of the fence I can actually identify with. Yeah, like <laughs> just stop, stop being like, why are you offended? You're oh, you know. a good time because we can't communicate. So instead of communicating and saying, "Hey, that really hurt me," we don't know how to be vulnerable. So we're like, "All right, we're cutting you off." Cancelled after one. And who oh, yeah. actually wants to live in a world like that? Would you like it if every time you accidentally like slipped up and said the wrong thing or hurt someone, just like your entire social network was cut off? Yeah. Do they actually know what they're asking for? Yeah. And there's going to be someone that wants something cancelled, no matter what it is. No matter what it is. And like, none of us would create yeah. anything if we were that scared of offending someone. Like Better Homes and Gardens. Like they probably want to be cancelled, that show. Like someone's not going to agree with the way they make their garden and... Like some magazine, you know. Like, oh no, you got the woman doing the home part. Yeah, so why is the that. man not doing the gardening? They'll they'll be offended um, the other way around nowadays. I think they want women doing men's stuff, and they want to show men doing women's stuff. And so then, if you go back to gender heteronormity for a second, they're like, "Wait, no, we've done that. <laughs> Let's have the woman in the kitchen for a change." <laughs> Like all these cooking shows. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I guess so. you've had 80 songs released. Yeah. How old were you when you had your first song released? 27. 80 songs in... Yeah, so I followed my menstrual cycle, people. When I first started putting out songs, every month when it was that week of the month where I had high hormones, high drive... Uh, I put out two songs and I just kept doing that for a couple of years. And you did your own music to the songs as well? Mm, so I produced my own, what do you call them, backing tracks? Tracks, sick beats. <laughs> Drum and bass. <laughs> Trying to be hashtag relatable. <laughs> That's fire. Yeah, for the uh, new iGens. Yeet. The new gens, you know yeah. Saying? No cap, no cap, no sick, cap. sick vibes. For real, for real. Oh, so YOLO, I was just uh, making it myself. Whoa, YOLO's so last generation. Do you remember Mint and Wicked? Yeah, Mint, yeah. That was too fresh. It's going to be Mint. No cap, no cap, good vibes. Only. I don't even know who inve- who drops these colloqu- colloquialisms into the collective. Oh, man, that was too That's many It's almost as hard to say as War- Worcester sauce. Who dropped the colloquialisms into the collective? I think they just manifest. Mm. Yeah. Someone just s- says something incorrectly and enough people go, hmm, that could work. Yeah. I'd like to describe something in the ov- obviously opposite. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's great. It like, is unwell and evil. Sick and wicked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, who, came, who came up with no cap? That is good No shit. cap means I'm not lying to you. I haven't actually experienced no cap in my organic environment yet. I, I don't have any no cappers. I have an iGen at work. That's uh, my manager. Uh, and yeah, no cap. Good vibes. I'm the CEO of Loving Life. Oh, oh I'm a boss babe then. That is, <laughs> that is cringe. <laughs> <laughs> no cap. That is so cringe. Oh my God. Hashtag me too. Hold on man. No, when, when someone asks me uh, what trauma I've had, I'm just like, yes. Yes. <laughs> Whatever you're thinking, yes. All right, well, let's, so let's touch on that. Just pretend. But uh, no, 80 <laughs> songs, sorry. So I recorded them all myself and then uh, I released a whole album of just the latest stuff. I feel so uncool saying this, but because I'm, I was brought up playing classical music and being a pianist and playing in church and... All of that, what I guess is quite classic. Uh, I don't like the heavy compression that's used these days. I'm not intuitive enough to pick up all the stuff they're doing, the percussion and the sampling. So, yeah, I sent my tracks off to be shined up in the current way. And I yeah. don't even know what to call that, dub, trap, pop. But And is this on Spotify? Yeah. Yeah, it's just under your name, or do you have like a band name? Or oh an no, I, name? I'm not hiding behind an alias. No, I'm me. I'm hiding a little bit behind an alias, okay. in the sense that my surname was Volnarek, and then I got married to Mr. Hunter, and I thought Esther Hunter. It's almost all the same letters. This <laughs> wow. is easy to say. I had some maths then, and uh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's just no <laughs> S in Hunter. Yeah, so um, I find that a really good stage name. And unlike a lot of people who were divorced, I had a good marriage. Okay. He was a beautiful guy and we love each other. He just wasn't for you. I he, just like boobies. He didn't have the right parts. That's okay. Yeah. He was the wrong kind of package. Wrong pa- Yeah, He yeah. was the right package at the wrong address. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like wearing dress it. No. <laughs> Amazon dropped it off wrong. Yeah, no, I think it was actually still the right thing. You know, we have this idea that a relationship has failed if it ends. Yeah. But what if it just served its purpose? We mm. were young. We were both pretty good. You know, the good boy and girl. We got good grades and we went to school and we kept going to school and doing things right. Yeah. And we tried to be that cute little heteronormative couple as well maybe in a lot of ways that it didn't suit we didn't really know anything else yeah so i can definitely see what you mean by taking the classical and then just sort of putting that little modern Mm. edge to it yeah Yeah. a bass drop is always okay i think so too because like it gives you a sense of excitement because you're like oh it's building to something and then it drops and you're either really happy or really disappointed yeah, you can do a, a climax or you can do a drop. Yeah. Like you can build them up and then take them there or you can build them up and then not. And There's like, no, yeah, you can't yeah. you can't have a neutral emotion after that build up. No. You're either really happy or really really just it was shit. <laughs> but that, that made me happy. Oh, that means a lot. I always like a good bass drop. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Where I feel like if I had an inbuilt subwoofer, which I've always wanted, mm. I'd just be always happy. With the new transhumanistic movement, I think you'll be able to have one installed. A hundred percent, right? <laughs> Guarantee there's someone out there that's been testing installing subwoofers on people mm. and he will soon be arrested on the news for a bunch of dead people from subwoofers. Oh. It's got to be out there, right? That's what someone. that was. Yeah. yeah. No, I was doing some urban exploring, came <laughs> across a bunch of bodies. And Definitely I was like, on Reddit. There's like, what's that thing inside your stomach? Yeah. And it just starts vibrating and the whole body is just like... Are you really hungry or is that just <laughs> your internal musical system? Just having an internal bass drop. Someone makes a good joke and you're like, hang on, hang on. Say it again. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't just even make a mouth. Uncontrollably. Uh, so you're performing in Fringe Festival coming up? Thank you. Yeah. What, uh, tell us a bit about it. What's the title and, uh, and tell us a bit about the show. Thank you. So this is called One Stop Shock. Play on words. I obviously you know, am an all-round creative, so I like to mix it up. I love teaching, I love lecturing, but I find if you're going to introduce very heavy topics, so I'm going to be questioning school, religion, sexuality, education, love, identity. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to think about the other songs that I've written. Attachment. Oh, so these are all titles of your songs as well? No, well, I'm, I'm going through sort of the concepts of each of the songs. Uh, I find that if you're going to go into really heavy topics or taboo topics, you have to diffuse the tension with a joke. Mm-hmm. So that's why I called it a music comedy because I'm playing the piano, I'm singing, but I'm bringing my full identity to the table, which means as I'm sort of touching these things that often in society we shy away from, hmm. I'm going to touch you there. Uh, yeah, I'll tell a joke afterwards. We'll lighten it again. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Thank you. Very excited to be touched. <laughs> yeah, and I've, I've tried a different compositional um, technique this time. So I've got the framework for my songs, but I've left a bit more than I normally would open for improvising for how I feel at the time. And if I'm feeling really, like, gutsy and strong, maybe I'll do a strong note. If I'm feeling like improvising, I might do a little high run. Yeah, just having the concept and knowing what I want to preach about and that's really what I love to do with my life. I love preaching. I was such a know-it-all as a kid. <laughs> Sweet. So we've chatted a bit about the, the whole music side mm. of things. Um, but you've told us that you have a few books that you've published. Mm. So four books so far. Yeah. Um, you've got a fifth one. Fifth one has been submitted to publisher number one. But you know what it's like. You've got to go through a few. Yeah, so we'll see. Do they all follow a similar theme or what are we looking at here in terms of genre and content? Yeah, with genre, for me, I've got to find something that's 
both intellectual and able to withstand that sort of academic side of things with also spiritual and of course science and religion and I wouldn't even call it that but science and spirituality sometimes are very separate bags so you can't bring in even certain types of psychology like hypnotism that's all parapsychology like they keep it away from the science Mm. Now, I guess, uh, is this, so when we say, I guess, what is your, what, what's paying the bills at the moment? Oh, yeah, teaching. Teaching? Yeah. Yeah, so tell us a bit about teaching. How did you get into that and, and what exactly do you teach? Well, I started teaching when I was 15 years old. So keep doing your studies, kids. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you like it, don't keep doing it if you don't. But I played piano for a number of years. Once I finished my last piano exam, I just started teaching some people at home. And it's quite literally because they sought me out. Yeah, right. So I lived in Redcliffe at the time. It's almost an island. It's like an, it's a peninsula. It's an island attached to the mainland. So, yeah, people knew I existed and wanted to learn from me and I accepted. And then once I was 16, I worked at a real place place and almost everywhere that I get a job I walk in and they're like sweet we've been hoping you'd come (laughs) to us (laughs) it was yeah it's been a trend and I didn't set out I almost feel like I set out the opposite (laughs) to try and have a bad reputation but no I've had a good reputation so far which is really lovely so I've been teaching for what 15 16 years so that piano, was piano yeah. and singing, a bit of guitar, ukulele. I did up to sixth grade on saxophone too. So I will, will sax for dinner. I played saxophone for like two weeks when I was in high school. Yeah. Oh, I'm Didn't sorry. learn anything at all. <laughs> I had fun. You couldn't get your mouth around that one oh, no. fast enough. The trombone, oh. Yeah, I blow a good trombone, that's for sure. Oh, okay, so he <laughs> likes the bonus. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I tried piano, I tried drums, I failed miserably at both. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. Just, you know, my hands weren't good enough. <laughs> You've got fine hands, Ben. Don't let anyone tell you any different. Oh, hands are, <laughs> some people's hands are made for building and big heavy stuff and some people's are made for the details and I am made for the details. <laughs> <laughs> so ask yourself this have you got heavy hands or have you got detailed hands yeah. people at home do you Think get about that into up close intimate spaces or are you just a hands on a big Ham-fisted. big objects yeah yeah, yeah. alrighty <laughs> <laughs> well I guess we've sort of we'll dive into that then because you've uh, mm. shown us a bit of comedy so you started stand up comedy this year mm. what was your first experience like oh thank you for asking because you just start doing it yeah. and then it becomes you so, yeah, let's wind back to the very beginnings because it hasn't been that long. But it also feels like it's sort of been forever because when I'm teaching, I joke. Yeah. I can't not because I think of these witty comebacks. And in a way, I was really trying to be good this year and not tell too many jokes because sometimes you develop humour as a coping mechanism to deal with, you know, trauma. relating to people. Yeah, having trauma. And so it... I knew that it was also a level of emotional unavailability, diffusing that tension all the time too much and never just sitting with a bit of discomfort, always being the first one to take it back up into the trebles again. Yeah. So It's been a repeat thing for us, having comedians on, and they all admit it. They all say Mm. it's comedy because it helps them deal with their life. Yeah, I tell it to them straight while I'm there too. So you did stand-up comedy... Uh, did you do it like at an open mic night or mm. yeah so your first time stepping out there how did you feel like how did you take it yeah I was really really happy and as soon as I was I don't know like five seconds in I was like yes this is good I'm bringing my whole personality here what was the first joke you told okay so Dave Eastgate was doing the emceeing and he'd just kicked out some some people that were heckling, it was Anzac Day. So, yeah, he'd been making some jokes sort of within the realms of military topics and 
some people got upset and because those people wouldn't stop heckling, he was like, hey, I'm running an open mic for people that are fresh. Some of them, it might be their first time, get out of here. And they sort of went back and forth. And it was quite tense to the point that at the intermission, and I was probably on a couple of people after. Yeah, the the tension in the room was quite thick and not, yeah, not as positive and funny as I probably would have liked for my first experience. So I hopped off on stage and I was like, Dave Eastgate, he's uh, known as the biggest gig pig in Australia. So let that be a lesson to you. If you fight with a pig, you know, whatever that common phrase is, Mm. I sort of whipped it out. Don't fight with a pig because he'll love it or something. (laughs) You'll both get covered in shit, but he'll love it. Yeah, right. (laughs) At least I said it right on the night. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And so I wanted to be interactive straight up and not just get up there and be lost in my head in a script. Yep. And I really noticed that even on my first time looking critically, trying to enjoy myself but also looking critically at like what's working in the others and what isn't. The people that were lost in their head in a script, then as well if anyone heckled, they'd lose their place. Mm. And you don't feel like you're with them. They're performing to you. It's to you. Yeah, so I made a joke about that. And then I actually was going to make some Anzac Day jokes. And my mum had messaged me in the morning was like, sweetie, I just want to say, like, if you have Anzac Day jokes in your set, that might not be a good idea. (laughs) So I got up and I was like, oh, my mum told me not to make any Anzac Day jokes today. So uh, that's half my set gone. And I was like, so anyway, a lot of people died for us to be here tonight. Let's have a good time. (laughs) Did you get a good laugh out of that one? That sounds like, yeah. And then I went into my script about my dad's dick and kidnapping (laughs) babies in supermarkets. It was wild. I I still haven't made a safe enough one to share on social media. And I have a lot of people inboxing me like, oh, can I see a little video? Can I have a snippet? And I'm like, no. No highlight no. video shit. guidelines say no. I'm oh. a teacher. I do still need to make sure I'm not completely mental on social media, but it's I am true. completely mental. Yeah. Yeah. It's, see, it's still not socially acceptable. Mm. Mm. We always have this. We always come back to so, what's socially acceptable, hey? Ugh. Nothing. Nothing is socially yeah, acceptable. And you said you don't really want to hide behind a, mm. another name, so you can't exactly make sort of a, a second account where you can go wild and then have the... The tame teaching thing going on. Well, because not many people cared about my music when I started making it, I still did. I still did that a little bit with my music. I expressed myself. I wrote a lot of love songs with the she, her pronouns in them, even though I was married. But I think I knew a lot of people would just go, oh, she must identify as bi and just brush it off. So, um, of course, that because we'll touch on that again because we didn't really get the full part of it. So that was the reason, of course, that you left your husband. Um, yeah. Did he pick up on any of the signs early on when he started listening to these songs all being about she, her? <laughs> I don't think he listened to the songs. Oh. Well, that's why he's We gone. had a very like, respectable marriage but not a very intimate one. Right. So okay. I don't think, you know, I felt bad in hindsight. Some of his research papers and stuff I wasn't really interested in. So I couldn't expect him to be dancing around the house to my pop music. We're quite different in that way. And I liked comedy and I sort of liked that teenage boy, dirty humour. Yeah. And, yeah, he wouldn't have had a bar of that. So, yeah, separate worlds. And that's okay. Like in healthy couples that are intimate, it's still good to have your own thing. You don't all have to like the same stuff. But, yeah, in that respect. Well, yeah, if you're too much alike, it's going to get annoying. Mm. Yeah. But when I came out to him, when I finally came out to him, we still stayed married for like four or five years. Um, but when I did, I'd sort of built it up in my head. I was like, I'm going to have to tell him and just be like, but I love you. I'm going to stay with you. But, you know, and he was like, dude, that's like the first thing you told me on our first date. (laughs) So apparently like straight up on our first date, which we didn't really know was a date. One of those dates where you've met each other and then you're like, hey, we should just, um, get a drink. Yeah. Get a drink, have a sandwich sometime and. And we just kept hanging out. Like, he didn't ask me out. Ah, we right. We just okay. kept hanging out. And the relationship went the way hetero relationships go. Yep, yep. Yeah, so I supposedly was just like, I'm gay, but I want to get married and have kids. Right. No yeah. kids yet? 
No, and we didn't have kids. Yeah, right. I wanted to want to. So what's, you know? uh, I guess, so you still want kids? I don't know because I've been teaching for a number of years and I've gone through that transformation that you go through when life becomes about someone else. Okay. So I don't feel like I have to birth a crotch potato out of my own bits <laughs> to grow as a human being, to become compassionate, to expand in empathy or anything like that. And I don't care to see like mini-me's, oh, would they have my lips, would they have my eyebrows, you know, would they have my pinky toe, I don't care. Meat sacks are meat sacks. We're all going to die. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good summary. <laughs> I had to wrap it up. Inspiring. It's the worst possible way. Inspiring words. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> stuck on that one. Diffuse that tension, yeah. people. <laughs> We're all going to die. We always get back to death as well. Yeah, I feel like that's another theme that keeps creeping up on us. We've been sanitised from death a lot in our lives and I find out of love we shield our kids from a lot of stuff that possibly in other generations they just wouldn't have been shielded from. Watching animals give birth and dying, watching loved ones die, having siblings die. We've got Mm. such good healthcare that I think we're mental because we're not exposed to death and there's like the way you're meant to be exposed to dirt and stuff to develop your immune system. We haven't like cosmically developed our mental immune system we don't we pretty much go and go and go as long as we can forgetting we are going to die we ourselves are going to die and it's just fucking weird it makes we'll us say weird. the one type of video that does get me is animals dying that's the right. one video that can trigger me any other video people dying all that shit on reddit i am perfectly okay with watching but animals dying, even those vegan videos that shows you Ooh, animals dying. That I, got I, me. I, I can't do vegan. it. I'll still eat the body thing, but I can't. They're so innocent. I can't watch it. <laughs> nah, see, I think I'm 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 a bit desensitized to that, yeah. to be honest. I don't know how or why, but it just doesn't phase me. Yeah. I when like you said, when the vegans share their uh their sad sop stories, I just go, Yeah, I could go for a burger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you're a yeah. regular or comedian. Is, or is that your comedian <laughs> way of coping? Oh, yeah. Perhaps, maybe, yeah. You never know. I'm wearing my mask. <laughs> it's all about the yin-yang. So I've got this little yin-yang necklace on. I just to that. remind myself, like, light is the, uh, the other side of dark. It's not good and bad. It's the only reason anything can exist. So, ah, uh, it's so hard to deal with paradox. When you're trying to be a really conscious person and I do try and live with integrity, then you go, well, damn, maybe I shouldn't be eating animals. So I did that for a number of years. And as it was really starting to take a toll on my health and I was like, I'm doing everything I can. I'm trying to get enough protein from all these sources they say, give it to you. And then finally I got a B12 shot because they're like, oh, you're not, um, whatever you're not getting, the soluble version from the animal fats. So I got a B12 shot and that went really bad. I was nauseous, felt horrible. And eventually I had to come to that point where I was like, if I'm literally killing myself so that an animal can survive, like what's the difference? Mm. So I really had to work on the yin-yang and just going, well, lots of animals eat each other. I'm an animal. Yeah. I need some help. Yeah, we're at the, the top of the, of the food chain. Oh, yeah, that felt animals. so good, so much better. And I realised yeah. I'd been mm. living on 50% for years. So I guess this is what... Uh, we'll bring that up because you say, yeah, you're a carnivore. Mm. Now speak to us about the, uh, the being hopelessly full of doom. What's that about? It's so sad. And I'm not sure if it's to do with how hard life is these days. And when you've really gone down the academic path and you've worked hard and studied hard, then if you add pharmaceuticals into the mix, I think you just can't cope with, yeah, uh, insulin spikes, I would say. So if I eat chocolate, even a couple of, well, probably a couple of years ago now. Let's say like a year ago I went to Max Brenner and was like, you know what, I'm just going to have that brownie and a bit of that shake. And oh, my God. <laughs> like by 5 p.m. I just watched myself become completely hopeless and just sat on the ground like I feel like life's not worth living and everything is just crap. And I separated myself from my body going through that sugar low. Yeah, yeah, right. Mm. And I didn't fight it and I didn't try and have anything to counter it. I just sat with it and That's then didn't you. go back there again. 
I don't eat brownies and biscuits and stuff that I'd probably love to. I should apologise then for eating. They're they're sitting here eating (laughs) biscuits right now. (laughs) It's okay. If you can digest it, I like living by proxy. I really like watching someone enjoy a good, delicious dessert or whatever, high gluten (laughs) or rice, pasta, and just having a good time. So you eat quite healthy then? Like, um, no. You don't know. What's, what's your go-to meal for dinner? <sighs> well, for anyone who would like to know what a psycho eats in a day, <laughs> a creative genius, sorry. Um, I have two salmon steaks for lunch with a bunch of butter and cheese, usually goat's cheese. And then for dinner I usually have a steak, as raw as possible, so just sear the sides, include the fat, and then... Yeah, if I go to bed late, then I'll usually just have a midnight snack, have a bit of ham and cheese. Ham and cheese, yeah, yeah. And that's nice. it. And any time I try and incorporate anything else, I always either get a sore stomach, get some breakouts, or I just feel angry. Feel angry. Irritated. Irrit- yep. Um, and I, I used to think that was my personality. I used to get bloated when I was younger. And then once I was bloated, like if someone tried to hug me or – Talked about anything controversial. I was just like, oh. yeah. just tense up and you just like, get the fuck away from me. And it was just, yeah, I had the wrong diet. Damn, I, I should try that. So we've got to be <laughs> kind to people around us. I'm the first one that if someone's rude to me at the checkout or anything and someone else is with me and they're like, man, that guy was a motherfucker. I'm like, he was probably just not coping. And so... Yeah, I can walk around just loving everyone. If someone was to literally murder me, I'd be like, it's so sad that like you had such pain inside that you mm. needed to kill another human. This man ate too many beans. Yeah, he had a brownie for lunch, guaranteed. You <laughs> <laughs> should have tried the carnivore <laughs> diet. Mm. <laughs> um, so mm. you've got a few topics that mm. you say that we you've always got something to say if we touch on it. Imagine if I didn't right yeah. now. Freaking so we'll touch on... Nuclear nuclear family. What do you mean by nuclear family? Really? Oh, maybe you didn't have one. Probably no. not. <laughs> but for some of our listeners yeah, that have no idea what that means. Including me. Including both of us. So <laughs> typical 1950s gender roles. So a nuclear family ah, right. has a mummy and a daddy, two and a half kids, a white picket fence, and... Uh, Presumably, maybe church on Sundays. <laughs> so, the like nuclear family is, yeah, just the mean average mum, dad, few kids. So, like your white boy family, essentially. Like yeah, yeah, so I haven't heard that term. Yeah. So, like, that's what I'd call it. Like, your typical, yeah, I'm, I'm a privileged white male. Here's my white picket fence house, my wife, my kids. Yeah. Yeah. So, then typically, the dad would go to work. So, go to the world of men, and then the Wife would have the kids look after them, do housework while yeah. everyone's at school and House work. Bitch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think when that was new, that was quite fulfilling. You've got to trust other people. So you've got to trust that the guy will actually, you know. Provide. Provide. And then the you've money. got to trust that the woman will take care of herself and the kids. And even within capitalism, I think the nuclear family is kind of like socialism. Like mm. you've got this head honcho and then you've got this woman that takes his resources and shares it liberally between everyone hopefully you'd you'd hope so yeah and so then with trauma then you'll get either a guy that doesn't do that or he goes out cheating after work or you get a woman that pits the kids against each other and buys one everyone everything or insults the other one golden child scapegoat and so we realize that if if anything goes wrong with one or both parents, the nuclear family is not actually a stable enough social unit for kids to grow up okay. So the kids are not okay, as we can see in society right now. And then, boom. But we don't know what to do. Yeah. And it goes nuclear. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, a conversation you'll probably you'll probably get along with Ben quite well here. So I'm going to open up this topic hey. and get your uh, your opinion about so philosophy. Mm. Yeah, so uh, that's one of your go-tos and one of your passions. Um, I guess what part of philosophy do you really get behind? Death. Death? 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you and Ben can expand on this. He is philosophy, all about philosophy. All right. Mm. It's just natural, isn't it? It's just natural. But sometimes people fear it so much that they do the stupidest things to try and avoid having to accept the truth. Yeah. I'm... I'm I know it's not probably going to, it's probably not going to happen for a long time, but for me, I mean, I'd hope I could get run over by a bus tomorrow. You could get run over by a bus tomorrow. And I think if you surrendered to the fact that that is the reality and the reality actually isn't that you're assured 10 more years or 50 more years, then you can show up more authentically because you're like, I've got nothing to lose. I might not even be here one second after this. I could have, I could have a, uh, a brain aneurysm right now. Yeah, and sorry to all the people at home that have... Wait, no, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, healthcare's pretty good. You might... Yeah, you might survive stuff these days. But yeah, I think death is such an important topic because we've been sanitised from it for so long. Once people accept their death, I find that they're quite relaxed and wise. They're not all like managing appearances and just doing the shoulds. The should, you should do or be or say. Or a criminal. Yeah, you could go the other way. You could go, oh, I'm going to die so nothing matters. Let's fuck shit up. Yeah, that was sort of me as a teenager. I engaged in a bit of shoplifting. And when you haven't particularly been treated that well early in life, why would you bother treating yourself or others well? It's just that's the example you had. So Mm. I still cared about people, but... Not enough to realise that maybe shoplifting was wrong, stuff like that. Yeah, and I think we, we often have to go through that phase. So you sort of have now. to strike a balance between everyone's going to die, so, but everyone is currently living. Uh, and so by virtue of that sort of deserves to be at least treated with some respect and kindness. I would say, like, yeah, because I, I guess the view on things that if you're all going to die, like any movie you see with the outcome being it's the end of the world, not mm. once are people like, yeah, it's been lit, fam. Like, let's just chill. It's always shoplifting. Oh, I need this TV because I'm going to die tomorrow, but I want this TV. I don't get that either. Like, yeah, that's genuinely like looters, the mass response. like, yeah, mm. cause yeah, chaos. That just, that just reminds me of the Simpsons movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 when they're all in the dome and they get told that there's a bomb going to be going off in 10 minutes that's going to blow up the entire town. You've got some people looting and rioting, but then you've got all the people in church run over (laughs) to the bar, all the people in the bar run over to the church. Wow. The comic book guy sits down. I I spent my entire life buying and collecting comic books and life well spent, he said, so... (laughs) I think that's what you want, yeah, when you really evaluate things, how would you treat someone if you knew they were going to die tomorrow, Mm. you know, and what would you do differently in your life? And that's uncomfortable because a lot of us have been conditioned to even do something, you know, like law. So, like, because I have a lot of of younger friends, sort of early 20s, still dealing with the pain of being in a profession that is really anxiety-producing, and they wouldn't have chosen it anyway, but they're going to lose their family's support or even a place to live if they don't do this thing that they seem to think they're really... Say if you're smart, then people are like, well, you have to go to uni. Because you're smart, smart people go to uni. And there's like, there's no negotiation with the kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if you were going to die, would you still care? Would you even turn up to the freaking law firm tomorrow? Would you wake up at three and be emailing this client back and forth? Probably not. You'd be at the beach. I'd be stealing a plane and flying somewhere. I want that for you. Yeah. See? You deserve that. That's my go to. I'd be at, sorry. I'd be at the airport now flying somewhere. And for the people at home for context, um, you can't have certain what mental health diagnoses. <laughs> so he was eighty thousand dollars into a course by the time he realized he wouldn't be allowed to finish. Yep. That sucks. Good old dropout, yeah. All right, um and yeah, government help doesn't help you, I guess. No. Oh man, what if the healthcare is great. Unless you're mentally ill. Yeah, we've got a huge stigma around it still. So we're doing our best on the ground here, people. And I'm like treading between worlds at the moment. I live in the city at the moment in Woolloongabba. 
Maybe I don't by the time this airs. <laughs> but my parents have just bought a caravan and they live out with a bunch of trees and grass and ducks. The ducks were just walking around the backyard. There's a little lake at the back. Can't really call it a lake, a stream. So now I'm spending more time there because I think human needs humans need to be around nature yeah, for our so mental yeah. health. We need to see the sky and have that earth vibration, put our feet on dirt. So is that what you do, I guess, is that your zen mm, area? That's my zen area now. And I, when I didn't have one, when I moved properly to the city and there wasn't even a park anywhere within walking distance, then I just, I got so depressed. But I want to be around people and I want to make sure I bring that zen vibration back into the people. I don't want to just piss off. I don't think the whole monk mode idea... Yeah, if we all just pissed off to the Andes, then (laughs) what would be the point of being here? All right, now you've got a special talent. Not one of those ones, people. Special talent. talent. So what we're going to do, we're going to get Ben to show you his teeth. Mm. And I want you to tell me how old he is. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's special talent. So if you. This is cool because I don't know how old you are, and I've been looking at your teeth. (laughs) So <laughs> what? <laughs> She's what? been cheating. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, alrighty. So go on, show us, show us, show us those chompers. Get those chompers out there. Ooh, oh, this is such a hard one, and this is so cool because they didn't tell me how old they are. No, I don't know how old these lovely gentlemen here are? Well, Hopefully you're wrong I there because we're not lovely. So. Oh no. <laughs> Hopefully, I haven't got any cookie left. Okay, are you 24? Right. Yeah, spot on. Cool. Right. I turned 25 uh, in next week. Thank goodness, because that was three such weeks a fine ago. Line. When this airs, like I <laughs> felt that line, that impending twenty-five. So technically, by the time this airs, you're incorrect. Oh damn! Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we're in the future. All right. Um, how about my ugly <coughs> chompers? Twenty-seven. Oh. Maybe didn't get a good enough look. I'm feeling you. Maybe. Oh no! Am I? I'm totally way off. A little bit. Cool. Well, I'm not sure whether to go up or down, so I don't know if that's a compliment or not. <laughs> up and down's a good time, but no, I'm 29. <laughs> oh, there you go. 29. Close enough. I'll take that as yeah. a compliment, though. Thank I you. I think so. Good. Yeah. It means my teeth are younger, so that's good. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I just wasn't basing it off your teeth anymore. I was like, well, you guys are friends. Surely you're close-ish in age. See, you shouldn't have let that come in. I Yeah, and I do that in life. If I'm starving and someone says, oh, you've probably had enough, I'll stop eating. If someone says, oh, it's cold, you should probably put on a jacket and I'm not cold, I just will. Like I was raised, you know, to mm. fear, to be a people pleaser and undoing that is just so many layers. Yeah. So much vibrato. Peel back the onion layers. Yeah. Mm. Unleash yeah. the inner ogres that we all are. So all I can do is just conscientiously take care of myself like I'm a vulnerable, gullible person. Because I haven't been able to fully change that yet, uh, the higher self within me takes care of the little me that's here that's, yeah, just, yeah, you can get one over me pretty easily. You can just lie to my face and everyone else is like, look at that sarcastic mannerism and I'm like totally buying it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like you're more accurate with your guessing with children? Yes. So you've got children ages. Yeah, usually by about six, kids start to lose their baby teeth. So if I see a big kid and I'm like, oh, surely they're seven or eight, but then they smile and start talking and they've got little milkies, then I know they're not seven or eight. They've got to be five or six and they just, you know, eat their veggies. And vice versa, sometimes a really tiny kid has like a full set of adult teeth and I'm like, oh, you are a tiny (laughs) (laughs) eight-year-old. I wonder... People at home, does anyone else do this? <laughs> does anyone else? That's a very unique thing to ask. Mm. Yeah. Do I, you age people by their teeth? I feel like you'll find a new best friend if there is someone similar. Either that or someone who eats kids. Oh, uh, I think the oligarchy, <laughs> the Illuminati is doing enough of that. <laughs> someone who's like, yep, I tell the age of kids, like all their teeth are in my containers at home. Just... Dark. Okay, yeah, so like serial killers keep trophies. I think Taylor Swift writes love songs. That's the trophies that she keeps from her kills. (laughs) Stab them in the heart. Destroys a perfectly good song and then, yeah, yeah, puts her name on it. Mm. 
what would be your trophy? If I was to kill someone? Because I write songs. I definitely immortalise people in song and I get very unhappy if they don't appreciate that song. And I was very lucky. The people that I wrote songs for when I first started writing appreciated the fuck out of them, often asked for more, and that's everything. And especially when you're dealing with children, if they've shown you a piece of art or a piece of writing and you just rip the shit out of it, they may never sing or dance or write. And vice versa, if you're like... You know, it's a kid's painting or whatever. It's not going to be that good, but you just go, wow. And you find something honest, like those sweeping lines or that looks exactly like a dog or your <laughs> voice is beautiful, keep going. They mm. will keep going and eventually they will become good. Mm. Yeah. And I've known too many young people now, especially teaching at uni, other young people or older people that have come back that – viscerally remember someone criticising them to the point that they could not do the one thing that they loved. Yep. And the person yeah. who criticised them probably thought, well, if I'm mean mm. to them now, they'll improve. But that's not how it works. Mm. Yeah. Especially with our society these days. Like, we have to give you a participation. This is something I'm strongly against. Mm. We have to give you a participation trophy. You came last in this race, but have a ribbon mm. because you ran... So there's like, no discourse around actually helping people. Yeah. Like, I don't need to improve. The winner and I, I get yeah. a ribbon. I don't need to improve. Maybe they <laughs> didn't even run. Maybe they walked. Yeah. Like, um, striking that balance. Yeah. So that's, that's, I guess, the biggest thing I'm passionate mm. against <laughs> is giving people rewards for things that they have not put effort into. Mm. Yeah. Or, I mean, not enough effort. Yeah, because you can biased, not reward someone lovingly. You can still say, what would you say? <laughs> so if someone comes in last, they were scratching their ass, they had a like, uh, snack on the way. <laughs> yeah. Like, guaranteed, if you put a Macca's at the finish line, they'd run faster. Like, but <laughs> that, I don't know. I, I, well, that's I'm, dopamine. That's um, <laughs> helping yeah. them up to extrinsic reward rather than enjoying the process of God. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what I'd tell. Like, I feel like that's something you're passionate about. I'm holding it in. <laughs> Keep going. No, 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 no more. Let, let it out. It out. <laughs> tell us about dopamine. Anyone at home a dopamine addict? I was a dopamine addict, and I'm two years sober. <laughs> Just kidding. I can't stop producing shit. Oh no! You've never been happy. Yeah. <laughs> in the last two years. <laughs> oh, that's absolutely. Life's not about being happy. <laughs> <laughs> the last two years have been a tough time for a lot of us. So yeah. I, I can't produce dopamine. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mentally cannot produce dopamine. Fun fact. Damn. ADHD people mm. cannot produce dopamine. And so you'll notice under the table here, I'm not wanking myself. I'm twiddling my fingers. I'm pinching oh, my fingertips we the, the entire time. I have pinched my fingertips to death. I, I thought you were just waking. I was, but <laughs> oh, okay. As socially you acceptable rebuttal. I am circle. no, I'm not wanking. Thank you. No, I've been doing this with a, uh, a whole time. The whole time I've been playing with a, a pen lid. And we could have been playing with each other. <laughs> I've been playing with a pen lid. Mm, I noticed <laughs> that because you're doing it above board. We've yeah, been hiding yeah. it. I'm not even. I'm not even afraid. <laughs> I'm just gonna do it out in the open. It's um <laughs> we've gone full circle back to public masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird these days. Like um for me, I Siobhan's learnt by it now. She's gotten used to it. But if mm-hmm. I I need to be if she's telling me something, I need to be either doing something, scrolling Facebook, something. Mm. Just because if I'm looking at her and she's telling me something, my mind's gone. Ah, oh. oh. and she'll realize it. She'll be like, "You've checked out." Avenue. I'm like, yeah. I know. <laughs> Monkeys in my head just banging cymbals right now. And we used to shame children so hard. And some people still do cha- shame their kids for this now. But there's no point in shaming. You've got to actually just look at each individual child. It's more so parents that don't understand. Because mm. um, I guess when they grew up, these mental illnesses were around, but they weren't identified. And I think we'll probably stop calling them mental illnesses and just call them processing differences. Conditions? I don't know. Even. Yeah. Positive yeah. things, positive traits. Yeah, just <laughs> holding space for people's differences without being like, hey, my parents told me to keep my hands straight behind my back or sides and so that's what a good kid does. 
Or even eye contact. And I do like eye contact, but for whatever reason, we have started to have these different ways of processing our world and we've got to respect that. Even if they don't stay, we have to accept them and let people be who they are. So, yeah, we've been wanking under the table, people. (laughs) Usually I'm chewing gum as well. I noticed when I was studying, if I wasn't chewing, I stopped thinking. Yeah, right. I just zoned out as well. So if I'm at the laptop and so you'll find a lot of people start putting on weight when they go to uni and they don't know why and then maybe they'll get depressed as well. And I do think spending too long inside your head thinking will make you depressed because you're not here. But, yeah, I had to choose gum. Yeah, right. (laughs) Otherwise I'd just be eating the whole time. So we use this word stimming, which is short for stimulation, and... Yeah, it helps us regulate our dopamine. You get your dopamine under the table, I'll get mine. <laughs> I'll get mine. But it's it's also it's connected cool. to completing a task. So you'll find if you want to create an addict, if you want your kid to grow up and get on drugs and alcohol or binge eat, maybe even become a worker. No, I think it's <laughs> <laughs> tied to just the typical addictions. Just never let them finish anything. Never give them the satisfaction of the completion of their work always tell them it's not good enough or always take over and finish it and they won't develop that um that attachment to pride and worthiness wow Mm. Uh, and we need dopamine we need dopamine to concentrate and to yeah regulate other hormones so you have to get it so that's why i don't judge well a number of people in my family have been alcoholics some still are i just yeah, I have a really soft spot for people who, through no fault of their own, sort of were made to have to cope through a substance and then society calls them losers. Mm. When, yeah, usually they're quite strong and intelligent as well. I'll, I'll be the first person to sit down next to a homeless guy rather than go to the city and sit with a CEO. Usually the homeless guy is fucking beautiful. Yeah, hearing about their... Their stories sometimes are really good. Might get a homeless guy on here sometime. I think that'd be offer him a taco or something. That might be a field trip. Yeah. Maybe interview a few different ones. And people have done that. And it's so cool. Yeah, to get a feel for the people on the streets. Their stories. That was a huge tangent, sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> Dopamine and then homeless people. But, yeah, we need to have more of that in society as well, which when we go to school and we're doing exams to get a grade, we're not, like, building stuff for someone to use or for ourselves to enjoy or even to release. We're just, like, getting a grade and it's so unsatisfying. Then we need to reward ourselves with other things, even stars. What if you were just rewarded with the fact that what you produced was good, the tree that you grew, the vegetable garden that you made? It was good. Yeah, so I'm also pro enjoying your own creativity. So if you put on a show, just be like, wow, that was great. Or if you put out a song, stick it on in the car with your friends. A lot of creative people I know bag themselves out and are so shy about their creativity and they'll be like, oh, it wasn't that good. It's like, it wasn't that good. Why did you put it out then? 80 songs. 80 songs? Yeah, well, it's more like 83, 84, 85. 80 songs she's so written and, pu- and put on her Spotify. Well, 80 songs I've put out, I've written. I don't stop writing songs. I'll write whatever the hell you want in whatever style you want. Ooh. Like it's, that's why I had to move into other things. So once you put out about 80 songs, I was like, well, should I get to 100 and have like a 100 song party? But as soon as I got to the stage where I was happy with my production skills and happy with my writing skills, I was like, all right, time for something else. Fair. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to make a hundred songs as some arbitrary marker for a party. I've never had an album release or a single launch or whatever people do because, yeah, it's not that much of a big deal. And when I'm writing with other people, I notice them like really like painting over a line or how to put something. I just want to sincerely say probably no one cares. I deeply mean that. <laughs> now, Ben gave me an eyebrow raise, which makes me think he has an idea. Mm. My idea was just play us one of your songs. So this was part of an audition section that I thought I was going to teach him how to play the keyboard. But he already knows. He's he already knows. Better than me. He is yeah, a professional I, penist. I'm a professional penis lover. 
I love big hairy penis on stage. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, right, right. Treat your wives with respect, people, because otherwise you won't get any. And getting <laughs> some is really nice. Getting bitches is very nice. How I nice. agree. It's just, I mean, in this economy, what else have you got to look forward to? Not much, no. <laughs> Death. Nice <I> squeeze. <laughs> All right, so uh, one of the 80 songs or even an 81st song. Yeah. Yeah? A song that you haven't written yet. Okay. So yeah. one of the things that I love doing is writing a song on the fly to a prompt word. But that does give the other party a lot of control because what if they came up with a really crappy prompt word and I just said, I will write a song about that. Okay. Well, on the fly, I mean, it's, it's, only, it's only good that we keep with our, with our name, right? What are you thinking? Should our prompt word be whom? What should our prompt word be? Whom is Try the name of the podcast, of course, so we'd yeah. usually go towards that word. Is that a good prompt word? or a shit <laughs> That's a pretty big challenge. That's Whom? a shit prompt word. I <laughs> think because it's sort of ye old time language, I tend to make that into like a Christian song. Do it. It's something you did growing up, so I think that would be nice. Oh, touch the roots. I'm going to try so hard not to be offensive. Oh, by and all I means, actually, be offensive. You can't oh, try do. not to be offensive, otherwise nothing will come out. Please do be offensive. All right. And then it's the keyboard, so um, just, just the, this so that's I can right. see. But would anyone like to pick a key as well? Because I will do that. Or, or sometimes I say, do you want it to be happy, sad, or neutral? Go sad and offensive. Yep. Ominous. Ooh, ominous. Okay, so my ominous key, and we talk about this in class, anyone that comes to my lectures, tonality, like you've got to pick one that sort of fits. You can't do a, unless you're doing that reverse psychology thing, you can't do a happy song, a sad song in happy C major. So I'm going to B minor this song. That sounds horrible. Is that is that good? Because I've got to try and sing Sounds over myself. We'll be able to we'll be able to hear you. Yeah. All right. And there's there's no sustain pedal, so maybe I'll have to not do it too beautifully. <laughs> A sad <laughs> song with the prompt word of whom? language these days when you're writing an email you address it to whom it may concern but I just think that language needs to die whom are you whom are you inside whom should I address? Whom should you love? Whom is the name of a podcast you should listen to? Knock, knock, knock. Whom is it? Bitch, it's Brittany. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you. That was really Loved good. It. Yeah. Oh, You're that's a. Yeah, you're hired. <laughs> That'll be on your Spotify next week. Oh, no. <laughs> Thanks for listening in. Head over to our Facebook or Instagram at Whom Podcast for highlights and more. See you all next week with another amazing guest.